It's 12 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live! Woohoo! And the crowd goes wild. All right, I can lose that earbud with the delay in it. Hello, everybody. How are you? This week, we're going to talk about why some music libraries only want to work with industry-savvy composers. But before we get started, <laughs> make sure you hit that like button. And if you're not already a subscriber, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd like to get alerts when we're going live, hit that little red bell and we're good to go. Uh, I see everybody in the chat room already all fired up for the show. They're talking about uh, <laughs> how many returns they get on their music. Oh, come on, you guys. Lighten up. It's taxi TV time. Let's make sure that I am broadcasting. And there I am. Okay, we are good to go. So this show, um, complicated topic. Uh, <laughs> somebody in there, Todd B's Groove 45 says, I'm savvy. Great. Well, hello, Martin Gravel. Hello, everybody. So do you get ticked off when you see something like this in some of Taxi's industry listings? Important note, this company offers an exclusive deal and has a strong preference for signing material from songwriters who have worked for libraries and licensing companies in the past and understand how standard deals work. If you don't have that experience and you don't know the drill on typical deals, they politely ask that you don't submit to this request. Or this, another important note. This library offers an exclusive deal and has a strong preference for signing material from songwriters who've worked for libraries and licensing companies in the past and understand how standard deals work. And then there's this important note. This company has specifically asked that you send only unreleased songs that aren't already commercially available. If you've already released them on Spotify, Apple Music, etc., or they're already published or administered by CD Baby, uh, CD Baby Pro, I mean, TuneCore, etc., please do not submit them. So there you go. And I know that this is an issue. Uh, it's starting to uh, upset more and more of our members. It's probably about 10% of the listings that actually have that language in there. But we're going to talk at length today why that language is in there and uh, do a little exploring on this topic. And at the end of the show, I want you guys to come up with some ideas on how you would solve this problem. Uh, Michael sending to an effects bus, I do believe. Why, do you guys hear something weird in the audio today? Shouldn't be sending to an effects bus. Maybe a magic bus, but not an effects bus. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right. So I actually found a thread on Taxi's forum. And if you guys are new to the show, anybody's new to the show, new to Taxi, and you are not using the Taxi forum at forums with an S dot taxi dot com, you really need to hang out there. I know forums are a little bit old, old school, but our forum is like an ever-growing library of everything you could possibly want to know about the music industry. It's amazing. Uh, we started the forum, I believe, in 2004. So it's got 18 years of stuff. It's not, you know, ephemeral like uh, social media where it's here one minute and gone the next. 
All right, so this thread was called Haven't Worked With Libraries, Don't Submit, Absolute Question Mark, and it's by Earthlings. Um, okay, uh, a lot of this is written in shorthand, so I'm going to translate. Looking at listing number blah, 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 that says this company offers an exclusive deal and is only interested in signing material from composers who've worked for libraries and licensing companies in the past and understand how standard deals work. If you don't have that experience and you don't know the drill on typical deals, they politely ask that you don't submit to this request. Uh, then the member goes back to saying, should I take worked for libraries and licensing companies in the past is an absolute. All right, good question. He goes on to say, I don't have a forward yet, much less a deal, but I've been reading the forum since I joined about six months ago, tuned into most of the road rally, good, good job on that. Um, and I'm not just saying that pushing the road rally, but got a lot of education there, I bet. Uh, and I think I have a decent idea how standard deals work. I would not try to negotiate, which, yeah, 99.9% .9 of the time, not worth negotiating with a library because they basically have standard deals that they rubber stamp for everybody because they could have thousands of composers in their library and they can't do a different deal for each of them. Um, where was a uh, road rally and I have a decent idea how standard deals work. I would not try to negotiate, maybe ask a few questions to make sure I do understand the specifics. The only reason I know that I would probably turn down a deal is if they want part of the writer's share, but that's not a problem here. The listing specifically says the writer gets 100% of the writer's share. In other words, I really don't think I'd create any problems. So should I still honor their request or go ahead knowing what they really want is a problem-free deal? That's a very important sentence. They want a problem-free deal and they will get that with me. Thank you. And that's from taxi member Mike Shar. Mike, that was a great post. Thanks for putting it in there. Um, I reiterated that line, knowing what they really want is a problem-free deal. Uh, Mike hit the nail on directly on the head with that keen observation. Music libraries typically have thousands of tracks and hundreds if not thousands of composers to deal with on a creative and business level. 90% of their time is spent filling the requests they get from music supervisors every day. That's how they make money, right? And if they're making money, you're making money. So you want them out there filling those requests from music supervisors so you can both make money. If they make a buck, you make a buck. Imagine how little time they'd have for getting music licensed if they had to answer dozens of emails with questions like these every day of the year. These are actually real questions with the exception of three, which I, I'm, I'm sure are real, but I didn't get them from any library owners. But these are all questions that library owner friends of mine have told me that um, people have asked them when they're offered a deal. Can you explain what an exclusive deal is to me? Can you imagine a music library owner having that conversation? That's, you know, that could be a 10, 15 minute conversation right there in that one thing. Can you explain what a non-exclusive deal is to me? Again, can you explain to me why it's a problem if I check the box to have CD Baby or TuneCore or any other entity like them represent my music for licensing or admin three years ago? Again, a whole other discussion. Another question, 
Why is it a problem if I don't have work for hire agreements from people who played and sang on my tracks? Here's a doozy. What is a PRO and why do I need one? Uh, can you tell me which PRO is best and why? <laughs> the library owner that gave me that one was actually laughing as he read that to me over the phone. Um, what does in perpetuity mean? Again, you know, all these are like, well, you could answer with a sentence, but it's going to get a, a question coming back. It's going to turn into a conversation. Imagine if you had a production music library with, let's say, 10,000 tracks, a relatively small catalog, 10,000 tracks, relatively small. I mean, there are libraries that have a quarter of a million or more tracks. There's one that is rumored to have well over a million, but that's also because it's got a lot of other libraries under its umbrella. So imagine if you've got 10,000 tracks and let's say the average composer in your library, because some have one, some have nine, some have 17. Let's say the average person has four tracks. So you've got 2,500 composers. Um, and there's what, like 260 business days a year. So that would be, if everybody called with a question, that's 10 of them a day. Who would have time to be out there sending music to the industry that's asking? So uh, the last question that I read was, what does in perpetuity mean? It's a lovely place to visit in the summer. Um, I love in perpetuity. Uh, and then this is an actual recreation of a conversation that one of the library owners told me they had. The member said, I don't want to sign an exclusive deal. And the library owner said, but you submitted to a taxi listing that clearly stated it was for an exclusive deal. Taxi even put the word exclusive in all caps twice in the listing description. Why did you submit to a listing that offered an exclusive deal if you don't want to sign one? The member responded, because I thought when you heard my music, you'd be willing to sign me to a non-exclusive deal because it's so good. So yeah, we're going to change everything just for you because you're special. <laughs> oh man. Uh, here's another question. If I sign this deal, but another company offers me a better deal, how do I get out of this contract? Um, how long after I sign with you will it take before I start to earn income? How much money can I expect to make per year? I should answer all these tonight, right? <laughs> I think I've answered them all on Taxi TV at one point or another. Um, how much money will I get when my music is placed in a TV show? It varies. <laughs> Do I have to include my collaborators in my paperwork when I sign with your library? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Can we have, this is a real question, can we have weekly meetings to discuss how your pitching, how your pitching of my music is going? I'm going to say that one more time and not screw it up this time. Can we have weekly meetings to discuss how your pitching of my music is going? Could you imagine if you had even like 50 people that wanted to do that? Every week, 50 meetings just to talk about, well, this week we got a request in for, you know, singer-songwriter and we sent you out. Um, can you send me an updated list of all the shows that will be using my music? Uh, do I need a performing, do I need, this is a doozy, do I need to be a performing artist to collect performance royalties? And I don't mean to make fun of these people. You know why? Because they're new to the industry. 
they don't know what they don't know yet. And that's why taxi does what it does on the educational side. Um, what's the difference between the publisher's share and the writer's share? What is metadata? Metadata, hard word to say, metadata. Where do I buy an IPI number? <laughs> How many companies a day will you typically be pitching my music to? This is a great one. What are luffs and how many do I need? Real question. Um, this is another one. Same person gave me this one. What are stems and how can I find them? I say look in the bag under the leafy stuff and the seeds and that's where the stems will be. Those of you who are of the Woodstock era know exactly what I mean. Um, here's another. It's going to take me a lot of time to create all those cut downs. Do you really need to have all of them? Uh, there's another I've heard that more often than not. Oh, this one's so good. I've heard that more often than not, the chorus of a song gets used rather than the verse. Can I just send you a bunch of choruses? Can't make this stuff up. Um, why can't you use fades in music? Uh, why will you tell me when my cues get used? Uh, what is a blanket license? The lead singer, the lead singer on some of my songs passed away. Do I still need to have a work for hire for him or her? All right. So. The reason music libraries want to work with experienced composers isn't because they think they'll get a better songwriter or composer or artist. It's because they don't have the time to answer dozens of emails every week to answer these questions and still have time to answer the briefs they get from music supervisors by doing searches within their own catalog, building the playlist to send to their clients, researching the different shows that they'd like to be pitching to that they're not pitching to already, um, developing relationships with new shows, executive producers, music supervisors, editors, etc. Um, they also have to maintain the relationships with their existing clients, calling them up. How you doing? How's the family? Want to go grab a burger? You know, that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, we're getting to the point now where we can actually go grab a burger pretty comfortably. That's good. Um, where was I? They also have to do the necessary due diligence with every new artist and composer they want to sign to make sure the music will clear. Um, music library owners and people that work at music libraries do a lot more work than I think most people realize and uh, that's why they get 50% of the income. They also don't want to get weekly emails from their composers and artists asking them why their music hasn't been licensed yet. Experienced artists and composers know that once your music is in the catalog, it could take days, weeks, months, or even years before it gets used. It depends on what the music supervisors and the shows need and when they need it. And let's face facts, a good chunk of the music that's in production music libraries may never get used. It might not get used, you know, it might only get used once every five years or something. It's just when somebody needs that type of thing and they reach out to the libraries they work with, if they've got it, it's a contender and it may get the slot. So they also don't want to get uh, weekly emails from composers uh, and artists asking why their music hasn't been licensed yet. Experienced composers know that once your music is in the catalog, oh, I said that already, never mind. 
Experienced artists and composers know that music licensing, the music licensing industry is a marathon and not a sprint. Um, our taxi members have been saying that now for, I don't know, 15, 20, 25 years. Um, as long as I can remember, frankly, uh, certainly after we started the road rally 25 years ago, people started using the phrase that it's a marathon and not a sprint. You gotta be patient. Uh, experienced artists and composers know that to become really successful, you need to create a lot of music and get it into a bunch of libraries because while one library can be hot for a while, another might hit a dry spell. So you want to get your music into a bunch of them, five of them, 10 of them, 15 of them, and just know that some will be up, some will be down, all depends on the shows they're working with at the time. Shows get canceled, shows try new libraries to create a different uh, sound palette for the show. There are a million reasons. So all those reasons are add up to some libraries are really hot this year for you and some are not. Next year, the one that wasn't this year could be very hot for you next year. So you, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. You've heard me say that, what, like a thousand times already? Um, the more music libraries your music is in, the more consistent the income will be. I think I just said that in a lot more words. Experienced artists and composers know that you shouldn't place all of your bets on a few songs or a few instrumentals or on just one music library. That is bad business. Um, I, I mean, I, some of my close, well, not closest friends, but really, really good friends own production music libraries. Um, if I were you guys, if I were one of you, if I were a composer or an artist or a songwriter, even though I know these guys, go out to dinners with them, can call them at home late at night, I would not put all of my eggs in one basket, meaning one library. I would spread it around, even though I've got really good relationships with these people. Experienced artists and composers know that the best thing you can do is to concentrate on making usable music that people in the marketplace need. And if you keep cranking out music that fills those needs, over time it begins to compound and eventually you'll start getting more and more and more placements and begin to earn more and more income. In other words, experienced artists and composers know that their expectations need to be realistic. What the heck? Hold on, I'll leave that up there. Something just popped up on my screen that I didn't want. Don't know where it came from. Um, yeah, realistic expectations. That's the whole ballgame right there. If you think that you're going to get one forward from Taxi, the people on the other end are going to just love it to death when they hear it. They're going to put it in their catalog. Tomorrow morning, they're going to pick up the phone and hit their email account and just let everybody in the world know that they just signed this amazing song. That's not how it works. It goes into the catalog and it will sit there until the day somebody needs that type of music and that's when it's pitched in response to that. But a lot of people who are new to the industry just don't know this stuff. So, you know, I'm not looking down upon you. I'm not wagging my finger at you. What I'm saying is that you can't just be great at making music to be in this part of the industry or any part of the industry anymore. You've gotta be good at the business side. And you really, um, for sync music, you really can't have somebody else. You can't like go find a manager that's going to take care of this stuff because 
you need to develop those relationships. Managers come and go. Frankly, 99.9% .9 of managers have no clue whatsoever about the sink industry. So you've got to get with the program. Um, and for those reasons and many more reasons, music libraries prefer to work with people who understand the range and types of typical music library deals and know the realities of the industry and therefore have managed and realistic expectations. Yes, but here's where the problem arises, ladies and gentlemen. Taxi forwards music that's on target and strong enough that the companies will appreciate it when they get it because it saves them time and money and helps them find better and more valuable music. Taxi doesn't judge the music that we hear based on our feelings about the people who create it. The screeners don't know the people. It is literally screened 100% on does it fit what they're asking for and is the quality you know, over the bar, the quality bar, if it is, it gets forwarded. But we don't know when we forward this music if somebody is an absolute newbie and doesn't know the drill, or if somebody is highly experienced and may even know how these things work better than some of the library owners. We do have members that are that tuned into this stuff. So the hitch is when great music comes from songwriters, artists, and composers who are not experienced in the ways of the music licensing industry, and the music libraries end up spending a lot of time answering questions like the ones I mentioned above. So, what do they do? This is important. Listen carefully to this. The libraries reflexively resort to asking the musicians they already work with, the musicians they already know, know how the industry works. And they, those are the people that they go to and ask them for new music. So... That's exactly the reason that Taxi spends so much time educating our members about how the industry works. Taxi doesn't want them only going back to the same people that they work with all the time because we want to create opportunities for all of you folks, right? So the only way we can really do that is to educate you so that you become one of their go-to people. Um, Taxi doesn't only present you with opportunities for your music, we educate our members so that you can build actual careers. So, here's where the problem, that this is the genesis of the problem. As Taxi has become this huge resource for the industry, and more and more of our members are being forwarded, and more and more of the companies we work with are meeting a lot of new songwriters, artists, and composers, but they're not all people who watch Taxi TV like you are right now. They're not people who go to the road rally. They're not people who have networked themselves um, and gotten an incredible education from their fellow members on Taxi's forum. Once again, at forums with an S, dot taxi, dot com. Um, did I mention, and they don't go to the convention, the road rally? <laughs> all this stuff adds up to, some percentage of our members are really industry savvy. I know a lot of members that are more savvy about it than I am. And as I said, I actually know some of our members that are more industry savvy. They know more about music library contracts. They understand more about publishing in the context of sync music. They understand everything about it better than some of the library owners. And I'm not casting a wide net and saying, you know, there are library owners out there that are not that smart. I'm just saying we've got members that are that smart.
Um, they've really sunk their teeth into this. And those people hang out on the forum and share what they've learned with people who are new to the game. Um, and those who don't know, I believe, are the folks who, to varying degrees, are causing a few of our clients to ask us to include language like this in their listings. Once again, this company offers an exclusive deal and has a strong preference for signing material from songwriters, fill in the blank, could be composers, could be artists, uh, who've worked for libraries and licensing companies in the past and understand how standard deals work. If you don't have that experience and you don't know the drill on typical deals, they politely ask that you don't submit to this request. I don't think for a minute that these companies are trying to avoid anybody based on their experience in creating music. It's not about the music. Some people think that when they see that, um, they read it as, oh, they only want to work with the guys they always work with because they make better music than me. They don't know how good I am because they haven't heard my music. It's not about that. It's about not asking those newbie questions and sucking their time. You have every right in the world to ask the questions, but the venue where you ask the questions is probably the key, right? You know, why, why would you want to make a music library owner think that you're going to need a lot of hand-holding? You're going to be problematic. Maybe not like, oh my gosh, problematic, but uh, you know? Um, they want stuff to be easy and breezy. Everybody does. You want things to go smoothly so that they can spend far more time pitching the music so that they make more money and you make more money. So where should you ask the questions? In the chat room on Taxi TV. You should ask the questions in the forum. You should ask the questions in the bar at the road rally. What do you think, guys? 2022, the year that we're going to get back together at the bar, at the Westin, um, I hope so. I mean, at the moment, I, no, I'm not saying anything. I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> I do not want to jinx it. Anyway, it's not about the music. Don't ever read one of those sentences or, or paragraphs in a taxi listing and think that they're looking down their nose at you because you're inexperienced and don't know how to make music. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. Um, yeah, they don't want to answer, uh, let's see, I don't think for Mitt these companies are trying to avoid anybody based on experience creating music. I think it's 100% because they don't want to have a kajillion back and forth emails answering questions like how many companies a day will you typically be pitching my music to, what are loves, <laughs> and how many do I need, I thought that one was really cute, what are stems and how can I find them. Uh, it's going to take me a lot of time to create all those cut downs. Do you really need to have all of them? <laughs> oh, man. Here's another forum thread that I found today um, related to this topic. And I think that it answers, uh, I think the answers that a couple of our members gave are helpful in understanding the drill. There, official air quotes, two handed air quote right there. Um, this is by Piano Man LV. I'm assuming that means Las Vegas. I've been a member for about 15 months. Um, did I read this one already? No, I didn't. Okay, I've been a member for about 15 months and as of yet have not achieved a forward. It'll come. I noticed that more and more listings are requiring that only members with experience in the deal process submit their work. This, re this restriction would block me from the majority of opportunities that fit my abilities. 
Can someone please offer a blueprint for a typical deal process? It's so easy. To call it a typical deal process, meh. Um, anyway, uh, this gentleman goes on to say, actual figures are not necessary, but general advice would be greatly appreciated. Feel free to visit my profile page at, um, I'd be so grateful to connect with seasoned members who are willing to share their experience. You're smart to be mentioning that and using the forum already. Um, thanks for reaching out to a serious newbie, and that was from Whitney Phoenix. Whitney, I really like the way you worded that, and hats off to you for hanging out in the forum and reaching out to your more experienced fellow members. Um, so this answer is from Graham, I believe Graham's in the UK. Uh, he goes by the screen name or the handle on the forum, Telefunken. He answers a lot of questions, been around for a long time, I think brings a lot of value to his fellow members. And he says, hi, Whitney. I'll have a go at trying to help here, but I expect there will be other better and more complete answers. I'm not so sure about that, Graham. Please note that this is just a skeleton view and certainly not any form of legal advice. I suspect libraries are trying to avoid messy interactions and things that could reflect badly on them in the future. So it's understandable that they're cautious. They're also busy and move very quickly, although at times it can seem like the opposite is true. That is very true. Sometimes, you know, we forward your stuff to them and you don't hear anything and you're checking your email every five minutes, biting your nails, waiting to get the word from the library that they want to sign that piece that was forwarded by taxi and you may not hear for days, weeks, or months. My heart breaks for you. That's the way it goes. It's, that's just part of the industry. Um, although at times seems like the opposite is true, so they really don't want to be kept waiting or having to explain everything. However, there's nothing wrong with asking about things that are not clear. It's probably easiest to consider an exclusive deal, and the basics as I see them are as follows. When you submit a track via taxi or otherwise, and it helps a lot if you, and it helps a lot if you are the sole originator, uh, meaning the sole creator. If not, then get work for hire agreements um, from all the parties involved and any co-writer details sorted up front so you have the power and permission to control what happens with that track so there's no potential for surprises later. Great advice, Graham. If the library likes the track and offer you a contract, uh, then you need to ensure that the contract works for you, so seek advice from experienced sync music composers or a music attorney on its content. A um, little bit of personal advice from me. Everybody always says, yeah, you should reach out to an attorney. There are so few attorneys that I feel are really, truly qualified to answer anything about the production music library world. They go, oh yeah, I know film and TV music. Yeah, you know, you know, somebody from a major label is getting their song licensed in a blockbuster movie. That's a whole different animal. Um, it's different dollars, different everything. It's still licensing a piece of music to put it in, you know, in the film, but it's not the music library business. There's so few music attorneys. Literally, I can think of two or three off the top of my head, and that's probably the extent of them that I know um, that can do it. And I think I know all of them, but maybe I'm wrong. 
I've been wrong before. Anyway, uh, and music attorneys charge $350 an hour, $400, $500 an hour. Not unusual. Um, you don't want to use somebody who says, oh, yeah, I can do music stuff. Uh, I was a real estate, you know, they're a real estate lawyer in Ishpeming, Michigan. Um, but they took some music law courses in college and they just love the Doobie Brothers. So they're now a music attorney in Ishpeming, Michigan. Uh, not by my definition, they're not. You don't want that person being your music attorney. Um, if you can't find one, ask your fellow members for a recommendation. If you're still stumped, call Taxi and just say, or send an email to member services at taxi.com and say, can you guys refer me to a music attorney that knows the music library business? And we will, we'll give you two or three options and then you can pick the one that you like. But we have so many members who are highly experienced, who have signed dozens, many of them 500 contracts or 500 pieces of music in 10 different libraries. So they know the drill. And, and there's a reasonably good chance that they will have signed a contract from that library that you're about to sign with. And you can ask them, how is this library? Are they responsive? Do you feel that they're trustworthy? Do they seem to get a lot of placements? What kind of shows are they getting placements in? Um, do other members that you know that are signed to that company, are they happy as well? So if you find, you know, if you get a thumbs up on all those things, you can pretty much, I don't want to say be guaranteed, you can feel good about signing that contract. Um, am I telling you don't talk to a music attorney? No, because I would be chastised by my music attorney friends probably for saying that. But you know, who was it? I think it, I think it was Matt Hurt, who was probably our first really successful member in the sync world. One of the nicest guys you know, and really started the ball rolling on members helping members in the forum and at the road rally and everything. Just a tremendous human being. All of us who know Matt love him. He moved back to Switzerland a couple of years ago. Miss seeing him at the road rally, but then again, the road rally was virtual, so I wouldn't have seen him anyway. Uh, hopefully, if we do a, a live road rally in 2022, Matt will come over and join us for that. But anyway, I believe that it was Matt that told me that he hired a music attorney to go through the first contract he got and go through paragraph by paragraph, sentence by sentence, and explain it all to him until he really, truly understood it. And then he was able to take what he learned from that experience and apply it to other contracts offered by other libraries because basically they are all somewhat similar. They're not identical by any stretch, but they are basically, you know, there are two or three varieties of contracts that all fall within a range of what is normal. So he was able to take what he learned from the music attorney um, and apply it to those other contracts. And then if he had a specific question or a couple of questions, he would reach out to the attorney and say, okay, uh, I've just run into something that I've not run into before. Can you explain this to me? Or maybe he picked up the phone and called the music library owner and said, I don't understand this clause. Can you explain it to me? Ken Mesford trying to catch a little taxi TV between jobs. There you go, buddy. Um, okay. So, uh, going back to Graham's answer in the forum, I got a little sidetracked there. Um, 
An exclusive deal is usually, but not always, in perpetuity, meaning forever. You may or may not be entitled to some share in any sync fees. A sync fee is an upfront payment, as we all know. We should all know that. Uh, and typically, you'll be entitled to half of any back-end royalties, which comes to you in the form of 100% of the writer's share, while the library slash publisher takes the other half 100% of the publisher's share. There can be lots of other details in the contract, and you should understand all of it before signing, along with any co-writers. If you're very lucky, you could be offered an upfront fee for composing more songs, but that's hard to come by and unlikely from an initial taxi forward. Usually it takes a bit of a relationship, but you know, it, Graham, I've got to disagree. I'm not going to say, I'm, I disagree with you in saying that it's unlikely from an initial taxi forward, because we hear this more and more frequently now where somebody, uh, it, it's awesome when it happens to a brand new member. They get a forward and the library reaches out and says, we love this. Can you do a full album project of dramedy cues like that? Um, it does happen. It's happening more frequently is what I'm trying to say. Um, one thing you and your co-writers will be asked for as part of the contract is your PRO number. So make sure your membership with the PRO is all set up and that you use your IPI number, not your membership number. Signing contracts is often done electronically, so it's worth making sure you do that if it's new to you, but it's easy to set up. Libraries will let you know what their delivery expectations, meaning um, you know what form they want the music in. Do they want it in an AIFF or in a wave or whatever? Um, oh, just lost my place on the page. Um, there we go. Their delivery expectations are, and they're all different, so be prepared to give them what they ask for. That's part of acting like you're an experienced person. And you know what? You can be honest with them. You don't have to try and fake it and pretend that you're experienced. You could say, you know, this is the first time I've signed a contract, first time I'm delivering music to a library, but I've been asking a lot of questions on the taxi forum, and I believe I've got it straight, so I'm supposed to do this and that and blah, 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 and get it to you by next Wednesday, and you want a 30, a 60, and a 90 version, blah, 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 and they'll go, wow, you get it. And if you've got a question at that point, ask the question, but they'll be impressed that you've done your homework and you know what the more experienced people know. That's what this whole thing is about. Um, you probably sent them an MP3, but they might want a wave of the full version, um, plus alternative mixes, for example, drums and bass, underscore, stripped mix with no lead, also a cut down version, 30s, 10s, and a sting out. Um, those could be 48K, 24-bit, or 44116-bit, or whatever they ask for. So you need to know what those things are, so when they ask you, you don't have to say, can you explain that to me? Even, you know what, if you don't know, be cool, keep it together, don't get nervous, hang up the phone or close the email and go right to the taxi forum and ask your fellow members who are more experienced, so I was just asked for this or for that, can you explain it to me? There you go. And that's how you get, that's how you become experienced, right? Um, on top of the music, they'll often request some metadata about each version of the track, and there's a wide variety of what that might include. For example, the writer details. I wrote this with John Brown in 
Tammy Faye Reardon, whatever. Um, the track's name, obviously, the BPM, the key that it's in. They don't always want the key, but some do. Um, what the primary instruments are, the genre, the mood, some sound-alikes. People are drifting away from sound-alikes. That's a whole other episode of Taxi TV. But uh, uh, having a library having you know sounds like the Rolling Stones um, on their website uh, has gotten some people into trouble. So they're starting to move away from that. Um, delivery of the tracks and metadata can be via submission portals. The library would have a submission portal with drag and drop for files plus drop down in text boxes or it could be via Dropbox or something similar um, like Hightail with everything zipped into a single folder. Make sure it's easily identifiable as yours. Yes, you know, something I run into all the time as somebody who operates a business is people send me documents and files. They label them for themselves. So it might say new contract. Um, and what it should say if they're sending it to, let's say I'm signing a contract with the Sunshine Music Corporation and they send me something that just says taxi on it because on their desktop, they want to say taxi because that's how they think of it. That's their perspective and their context. Um, if you're sending stuff to a library, you need to say, I'm trying to think of a good file name. Um, Michael Lasko, um, Dramedy Cues, all mixes. Or just Michael Lasko, Dramedy Cues would be enough. Your name is on the file and what's in the file is on there. That way, when it lands on the library owner's desktop after they've downloaded it from you know Dropbox or Hightail or wherever, they look at it and they know immediately what it is. If uh, it gets shuffled around the desktop, gets buried a bunch of, under a bunch of clutter, which it would on my desktop, um, and, and they do a, you know, a find and, and they type in your name, it's going to show up because it's got your name on it. So don't just name the file all mixes, okay? It's got to be Michael Lasko, dramedy mixes, something like that. Your name and at least the genre are a good way to go. Um, once all that's done, uh, your track should be eventually be re your track should eventually be released by the library, made available to their clients, often as part of an album or a themed collection. You'll hear the term album used a lot. They don't actually press CDs, but they make a collection and they put a cover on it like a CD. They treat it like a CD, but it's never, uh, rarely does it ever go into a physical form. Um, at that point, there's nothing else to be done, although you could offer the library more music. It all is always a good idea at the end of a conversation with a library owner just to say, well, that's great. Is there anything else you're currently looking for right now? Or would you like me to make you a few more of those? Because they already know that you're good at dramedy or whatever the genre was. So, you know, don't get pushy. Um, don't get too over the top about it, but just simply say, oh, by the way, is there anything else you're looking for? Um, or do you want more of the same? Uh, some libraries will register the track with their own PRO and your PRO close to its release. Whilst, oh, Graham is definitely British. He has a whilst in there. While some will only register with their own PRO and might only do that if they know it's been placed. That's true. Some libraries don't bother registering the stuff with the PRO because 
it hasn't been placed yet. The very minute that they find out that it's got a placement, they will register with a PRO. Um, but there are all kinds of variations on that theme. Don't get all nervous. Go, what do you mean? So does that mean I should register it? Does that mean that it'll never get registered? They just don't want to go through the motions of registering it. And again, this is not all libraries, only some, and for certain types of music. Um, instrumental stuff where they're going to drop 10,000 tracks of instrumental music on a reality show production company, those would all be registered before they give them that bucket of music because they don't know when it's getting used. An editor working the midnight shift could slug a piece of music into a show. They don't know that that piece of music has been used until they see the cue sheets and the quarterlies from BMI or ASCAP. Um, where am I? Uh, again, there's nothing else to do other than wait. A lot of waiting. And what do you do while you're waiting? Make more music. Once a track is placed, Graham continues, if there are any sync fees associated with the placement, they will be paid to the library. And it's the library's task to pass that on to you. Beware there could be thresholds on amounts they will pay out. In other words, let's say the sync fee was $200. It was a tiny little independent film, $200 sync fee. There may be something in the contract that says you'll get paid when you hit a threshold of a thousand bucks. So it would take five, five pieces of music in that indie film or other stuff to hit that threshold. I don't think that's all that common. It might be more common than I'm aware. I don't think it's all that common, but if you see it, don't be surprised by it. Um, and the reason they do it that way is they're not trying to hold on to your money and, you know, like earn interest on it or screw with you or anything. They just don't want to have a lot of bookkeeping to do. They don't want to write a lot of checks. So they don't want to write a check to this person for $53.86 and somebody else for 100 bucks and somebody else for 500 bucks. So they like it when you hit the threshold. But again, I wouldn't worry about that one. Um, also, the show producers should complete a cue sheet, they damn well better, uh, that contains your IPI number and that of the library so that broadcast royalties can be paid to you from your PRO. Uh, it can take quite some time for this to happen, at the very least three months. Wishful thinking, Graham. <laughs> Could be over two years for overseas broadcasts. Very, very true. If you are British, like I believe Graham is, and you have a piece of music that airs in a show on January 2nd of 2022, uh, by the time, uh, under normal circumstances, if Graham lived in America, it would probably be two quarters, at least six months before that payment is gonna show up to his PRO account. Once you are Graham in the UK, so it would go hypothetically from ASCAP, and that would take like six months. Um, then it would go to, um, I can't remember the name of the British PRO, even though I've been to their office. Uh, and, and it might take them another six months. Uh, sometimes it literally takes two years for an overseas payment uh, from both PROs to end up in your bank account. Um, I've probably, Graham goes on to say, I've probably missed or skated over loads of things, but it's a start. There are some differences with non-exclusive contracts and there's also royalty-free libraries. But if you can handle the exclusive situation, you should find those manageable. The overriding principle is to be very responsive when asked for anything and be very patient in between. So many people 
have made bad impressions on the libraries that they want to work with or do work with by not being patient. And that tells the library owner, oh, this person just doesn't know how this goes. It's all about being patient. And what do you do while you're being patient? Make more music. Um, Graham goes on to say, good luck. Graham, oh, from the UK. Uh, still composing a little faster than decomposing. <laughs> uh, and then there was another post here by none other than Casey Hurwitz, who's been around Taxi for a very long time and is very gracious with all the things he answers on the forum. I love his answer. He goes, hi, Whitney. Two main things. Number one, understand the business and what typical contracts are. And number two, and I'm going to say it, don't be a dick. <laughs> You'd be surprised, or not, how many people need to learn number two. So true. It's amazing. You're in business and you want to do business with this company and you're in the middle of a phone conversation or an email exchange and something upsets you and you become a jerk to that person. You're never going to get anything else signed by that library. Um, and as I've said many times before, there is no official blacklist. But people talk. There aren't that many library owners. Um, certainly in Southern California, where I live and where the taxi office is, it's an informal club. They see each other at social events. They talk to each other. So if somebody is a raging a-hole, um, Library A is bound to mention that sooner or later to other library owners. And the word's going to get out, and you've just killed your career because you were, as Casey said, you were a dick. Don't be a dick. That would make a great t-shirt, wouldn't it? Um, acting like a professional is a huge part of it, and my guess is that wouldn't be a problem for you. Um, please feel free to drop me a private message, best Casey. And that's absolutely right, because Whitney asked the question in a very professional way. Um, so Whitney does not fit the category of, you know what I'm saying. Um, here is, here's another question. Uh, this is publisher relationship query. This is from Guitar Kit. This is from January 1st on 2022. Wow. Starting on New Year's Day with the questions. Hi, wonderful, experienced people. I've been with my publisher for a couple of years now. Placements have gone a bit quiet, so I'd like to ask them about that. It could be COVID or maybe I suck. Oh, come on, Guitar Kit. Don't turn it inward like that. It's not because you suck. If they signed you, you don't suck. Nobody's asked for what you've got in their catalog. That's the reason nothing has happened. Is it fair enough to ask them how the land is lying with them? and clients in my submissions. I mean, you already know, because if somebody needed your music and they offered it to that person and it got picked up and licensed, you would know. So calling them and saying, uh, I mean, secretly down deep inside, I've got to ask you, Kit, are you hoping that by calling them up and going, so things have been a little slow lately, what's going on? That when they get off the phone and they think, oh man, I've been ignoring Kit's music all this time. I better get on it and make sure he gets some placements. Not going to work like that. Is it fair enough to ask them how land is lying uh, with them and the clients, my submissions? I've heard people say, don't peeve off your publisher. <laughs> Great advice. 
They're too busy. Very true. However, I need to know what I'm working towards. By the way, Happy New Year from Kit Grennan. Kit, I understand. I really do. I, if I could wave a magic wand and alleviate the pain that lack of activity causes, I get it. This is your art. This is your creative output. Um, this is your raison d'etre. There's my French lesson for the day. Um, it's like killing you that this music is sitting there. I can't believe nobody has licensed it yet. They just haven't needed what you make yet. Or maybe if they did and the library sent them your stuff, maybe there was something else that worked better against picture. For whatever reason, it's not like the library is going, let's ignore Kit's music. They're not. They want to make money. If they think your music is the right thing for the job, they will absolutely send it to the person who requested music. Um, this is a, a quote, or I'm not, sorry, not a quote, a uh, response by Melodia to Kit's thing. Um, oh no, it's another post, I guess. No, it's a response. Okay. Hi there. I'm reopening the book of sync music after a long, and I mean long, period of absence in the business. I keep on hearing not to bug the publishers, sound libraries, etc., because they're so busy with a lot of O's. Well, aren't we all so busy? In my humble opinion, if your music, which you managed to create in your very busy life, lands in a catalog of a library, you have all the rights to ask them from time to time, how's the weather out there? <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, they have your music in all caps, um, signed with a mutual agreement. It depends on all common sense not to bombard them uh, and stay polite and humble. Happy New Year, lots of success. And that was from Chris. It sounds like Chris might be on the edge of, I don't know, at least Chris does get, you know, the don't bombard them and be polite stuff and humble. That's all good stuff. But it sounds like Chris, I'm not sure if Chris is a, a man or a woman here, but I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, we're all so busy. It's like trying to equivocate, you know, it's like, come on, library owner, you think you're busy, I'm busy too. We are all busy. But again, if, if your music hasn't been used, it's because nobody, oops, sorry, microphone, nobody has needed that type of thing yet. Or if it was forwarded for somebody that, to somebody that did need that sort of thing, maybe it just didn't work as well with picture or the scene or the storyline as another piece of music. It's not that you suck. It's not that your music sucks. It just didn't work in the scene. Um, and here we have, this is from Matt Vanderbo, one of Taxi's most hardworking, bad English, one of the hardest working taxi members I've ever met, um, a magnetic personality, a great guy, um, started not knowing anything. Matt, if you're watching this, he, he, Matt would tell you this. He was dumber than dirt on all things sync related, but he just put his nose to the grind zone and, and just worked so hard. He literally, I've told the story a million times. I'm sorry to all, all of you who've seen me repeat this story, um, but there are some new people in the chat room tonight. So 
Matt Vanderbow said when he got Pro Tools, he put it on his computer, he turned on Pro Tools, and then sat there staring at a blank screen going, now what do I do? He literally knew nothing. Nothing. He didn't even have a musical keyboard. He was playing music on his QWERTY keyboard. And that's how he got started. And now he's one of our most successful members. And everybody wants all the libraries will take music from him because they know he makes the right kind of music. He delivers on time. He does whatever they need him to do. And he acts like a professional. So here is a comment from Matt. Hey Kit, I'm gathering from the opening line of your post. I've been with my publisher for. Um, the operative word in my opinion is my publisher. Um, that you only have music with one publisher. There you go. If that's the case, your music and your income is gonna be completely at the mercy of one entity. Yes, the don't put all your eggs in basket thing. Um, so true. And there's one of our most successful members echoing my sentiment. Um, not good to be at the mercy of one entity. Many publishers slash libraries go through dry spells, um, have contracts expire and not renew, meaning contracts with the shows that are using their catalogs, um, have health issues. There are library owners that maybe got sidelined by COVID or something. Um, and, and all those things can prevent them from working. If all your eggs are in one basket, okay, Vanderbo, now you're using my shtick right there, buddy. <laughs> if all your eggs are in one basket, you're setting yourself up for one heck of a roller coaster ride. Try to expand your net and get music with 10 plus publishers. That way, when one is in a drought, another might be in harvest mode. Ooh, I'm going to steal that, Matt. When one is in drought, another might be in harvest mode. It's much easier to maintain a smooth ride in this unpredictable business if you spread your bets around the proverbial table. Matthew C. Vanderbow. <sighs> that was applause. So there you go. Um, what do you guys think about this? Uh, let me see some stuff in the chat room. Uh, I'm curious to think, because I haven't been able to watch the chat room while I was reading those 13 pages of notes. Um, what do you think? Hey, Margaret Kalb, how are you? Um, all right, we're talking about speaking Klingon. Um, my motto, songs from a headband. Just remember, crappy songs make money. Be patient, make more crappy songs. Not bad advice. I mean, nobody wants to aspire to make crappy music, but you know, you don't have to be um, Hans Zimmer uh, to get a lot of music library work. It's more about having the right music than incredibly great music. It can be, it's gotta be good. It just doesn't have to be Hans Zimmer. Um, Irina Shiloh says, I'm so, so used to sensitive people, I even walk on eggs around my mic. <laughs> um, oh my God, you guys are speaking, you're talking about speaking Klingon? <laughs> I spent four hours researching this topic today and about another three hours writing all these notes and you guys are talking Klingon, shame on you. Honestly, was scared to submit lately because of special notes. Whoops. Um, 
This is from Jim Leahy. Honestly, was scared to submit lately because of special notes, but I'm pumped to submit my neoclassical cue this week. So there you go. You understand now that it's not that they're not going to do a background check on you. They just want to know that you're going to act like a professional and not drive them crazy by not knowing how the deals work and going, I wouldn't sign that kind of deal. Or what do you mean by this? Or what do you mean by that? Always go to your fellow members in the taxi forum. Start there. If you can't come up with a good answer there within 24 hours, then politely ask the library owner, could you enlighten me a little bit on that particular clause? Um, let's see. Michael, that was amazing advice and info. Thank you very much, Irina Shiloh. Um, Elliot wants to be Hans Zimmer. Who wouldn't? Uh, makes sense, Michael. Relationships are key. Hey, Rick Barasa, how are you? Um, Beth D says, learning so much. Thank you very much. Um, John Granette or Granite says, one your best, Michael. Maybe one of my best. <laughs> uh, Philip Roldan says, whoa, that scrolled right past me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, man. There we go. The wording and listing makes it a catch-22. If you can't submit, you can't ever have worked with music libraries in the past. If we have the knowledge and our song is one stop ready, do we submit? Yes. That is a really good way to summarize every... That's the point I'm trying to make, which is if you really do know what the drill is, go ahead and submit. Um, in a minute, we're going to talk about possible ways to solve this problem. Uh, Pat Warris says, I feel I know the business well enough to submit to such a listing, even though I don't have any deals. Taxi has educated me well over the years. See, Pat, you're hitting the nail on the head there because you go to the road rallies. You hang out in the chat room on Taxi TV. You've watched a lot of episodes. You do know the drill. You got the education. But guess what? probably 75% of your fellow members, new members, haven't done that yet. I don't know why. It's like saying, you know, I'm going to drive a, I want to drive a Formula One car in the Grand Prix, uh, Monaco Grand Prix. But um, you don't know anything about driving strategy. You know, maybe you know a lot about cars. Maybe you know a lot about engines. Maybe you have a really cool, like, racing suit and a really cool helmet but if you don't understand strategy um, of what it's like to race formula one then you shouldn't be on the track but you do you understand the strategy uh margaret calb i swear we're listening <laughs> thank you margaret uh, this is great stuff michael thank you oh come on mary you should have said that in klingon i saw you in the back of the classroom talking klingon uh, most of us are nerds myself included trust me um, Katrina Seifert, uh, keep giving us your shtick, <laughs> Michael, okay, uh, oh, Katrina Seifert, sorry, um, <laughs> Jim Lee says, now you know why we ain't getting any forwards, <laughs> uh, okay, this is very relevant, um, this is great, you're probably helping people avoid mistakes that I made, hi, Dan Weber, how are you? You know, it, it happens. You do make mistakes. Just make them behind the scenes, not in front of a library owner's face. Um, 
Check out the music in the library you were with and use those as reference tracks. You can't go wrong. That's great advice, Ben Bowman. Um, Greg Carosa, nothing new for me. Spread it around, leave publishers alone, and keep writing. There you go. Carosa is another one of our great, highly experienced members that totally gets it. And while he may not be in the, you know, like top five earning members yet, whoops, crap, I accidentally clicked something there. <laughs> he will be someday. I have great confidence in Greg. He does everything right. Um, Sander the Siren says, I need to hire someone to teach me music software. There you go. Yes, learn music software. Very, very important. Um, this is great advice from Jess Kerrigan. It's all downsides if you reach out to libraries asking why your music isn't getting used or pitched. Just keep submitting well-targeted music. Oh, man, I love it. The people who hang out on Taxi TV are the best. Um, that explains why we hear all those clicks, cracks, and pops uh, with the egg walking. <laughs> How does a non-US-based songwriter choose between ASCAP and BMI? I'll tell you, Cy, the best thing you can do is go to... Um, sorry, i got to move my microphone back there. Um, go on the taxi forum at forums.taxi.com and ask your fellow members there are plenty of outside the u.s commonly called foreign members um, on there that you can ask and they'll tell you who they use and if they like them <laughs> martin feggy says hans zimmer has some 200 minions that do the real work well Someday when we're all Hans Zimmer, we can have minions as well. Um, Andre Stepanian, Dan Weber's latest success story in the forum is a great example to be patient. Great. Um, Dan, I should interview you for a passenger profile. I've got the next two, but uh, remind me in like a month or so, would you please? I would love to interview you for a passenger profile. Um, minion Zimmers, <laughs> all right. Okay, um, so. I want to solve this problem. I would like to see that language in the listings go away. I think it hurts people's feelings and it's intimidating and it makes them feel um, disincluded. And Taxi is all about inclusion. We're about getting you included in the music industry. So it bothers me. It bothers the whole staff to have that in there. But, um, oh, do I want to read this again now? I read that long email from uh, a music library owner who also happens to be a top video editor uh, in the TV business. Started his own library a while back, used Taxi as the main resource, um, and got a cranky Taxi member, a couple of them, that said, I want to take my music out of your library. You haven't got me any placements. I've been in it for a year. I haven't gotten any placements yet. That was a big mistake to pull music out of that guy's library. Let me tell you, those members were just plain foolish. 
They pulled the trigger way too soon on that. Anyway, he was frustrated. He felt bad, but he was frustrated. And he said, look, you know, it makes my company look bad to the people who are using the catalog. Um, somebody that watched the show last week commented, oh, you know, he's more concerned about how he looks. No, he's concerned about how, when he said, you know, it's a, not a good look for me, he meant company-wise. And, and he doesn't want people to have a bad impression of library because when you give 2,000 tracks, let's say, instrumental tracks to a reality show production company, and they shove it into a digital bin that's accessible by all the editors on that show. And now you've got to reach out to that company and say, can you take out these 12 tracks that are called ABC, XYZ, 123, whatever the titles are, by this composer? That creates work for the production company. And it makes you look bad, it makes the, the, the library look bad. It's like, why are you losing composers? Why do we have to take people out of the catalog? What if we already put them in an episode of the show four hours ago or four days ago or three weeks ago? And now they want out of the catalog. Uh, and there probably is an out clause. It's a non-exclusive catalog. Maybe they got music, the same stuff picked up by an exclusive library, so they need to take it out of the non-exclusive library in order to do that other deal. I understand that stuff happens, but if I were the composer, I wouldn't be out pitching the stuff that I have non-exclusive in non-exclusive libraries to exclusive libraries. I would create more of that music because you're already experienced in that genre. You know that you make music that's good enough to get signed by libraries in that genre. Make more of it, pitch that to the exclusive libraries because now you've burned the bridge with that first library owner. Um, maybe you've burned a bridge with the people at the production company, maybe. Uh, that one's a little iffy, but it's a possibility that they, they know your name. Oh, that's the person that we, you know, whose music we had to go in, open this thing out, take a, open it up, take out the 12 tracks. You know, it, it's, as the library owner said, it's not a good look. And library owners, like I said earlier, they do talk. Um, Yeah, Ken Messford said that composer just made a name for themselves, just not in a good way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, okay, so what can Taxi do to alleviate this problem? Oops, I want to read Carose's comment. If you sign something non-exclusive, then keep it that way. Possibly you can sign it elsewhere non-exclusively, but don't pitch it exclusively. Write more music to pitch exclusively. Yep, Carose and I are like, it's the Vulcan mind meld, right? We always, we think the same way. It's not like we're that smart, right, Greg? <laughs> we just use common sense. <laughs> you just have to apply common sense. Be honorable, be ethical, and use common sense. That will take you far in life. Um, okay, so we have considered a couple things at Taxi. Um, somebody last week, I think, posted a comment um, under last week's episode of Taxi TV. Maybe Taxi should have some sort of test. And if people take the test and pass the test, then they're somehow certified. Well, it's not a terrible idea, but we really don't want to be grading tests. It's not what we do. Um, 
and and you know if somebody gets you know below a, a C on the test if they get a D or an F and they don't pass the test um, they're going to want to retest. Do we have to tutor them? I mean, we're already tutoring. I don't know. That one just seemed a little clunky. Not terrible, just a little clunky. But um, one thing that we have considered is, some of you might know this, I do a monthly thing called New Member Zoom, where somewhere between 25 and 50 taxi members, um, which is a very small percentage of people that join in any given month, that's the way it goes. Uh, but those people show up and watch the new member Zoom and we hand them the keys to the kingdom. Stuff that, you know, took Dan Weber, Greg Carroza, a lot of you guys that, you know, are, are becoming successful now. It took you a year or two to learn. Um, so one day I said to myself, self, why don't I just take all that stuff and consolidate it into a 90 minute Zoom with new members um, so that they can be armed with that knowledge at the beginning of their membership and not learn it in month 11 or maybe have to renew for year number two and they learn it in month 18 or something. Why not give them the good stuff now? Because I don't have a lot of faith in a lot of people, some of you who I'm looking at in the chat room and through my camera lens right now, some of you do self-educate by going on the forum and going to the road rally and watching taxi TV and reading the newsletter and all that good stuff. A lot of our members don't. So we're trying really hard to get the new members on board with this stuff using the new member Zoom. So what if we applied that concept to um, if you're going to submit to production music library deals that you have to attend a Zoom class on how things work in the industry. Um, so that's a possibility. Another possibility is having a video that I only have to make one time instead of having to do it every month because that would be easier for me and we all know it's all about making life easy for me, right? <laughs> anyway, um, what do you think? You know, we could have a video that we could take this episode of Taxi TV probably and, and require people to watch it. But you know what? You can require all day long and people aren't going to watch it. Uh, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but about a year and a half ago, I paid $1,000 for an online marketing seminar taught by somebody that I know personally who I have great admiration for. She really knows her stuff. I still haven't watched it. I missed the live one. I still haven't watched the archive. So if $1,000 doesn't motivate me, sooner or later I will watch it, but if $1,000 doesn't motivate me, why am I foolish enough? It's 11 o'clock for me, 11.14 to be exact. I'm tired. Um, I'm just afraid that people won't watch the video. And what do we do? I mean, uh, do I have to set up the taxi internal database that, you know, that, like Greg Carroza took the test and got an A, or Greg Carroza watched the video. Um, therefore, he's allowed to submit to those listings. And really, the best thing we can do is to continue educating our members, but the language in the listings is, is troublesome. I don't want our members feeling like they're not allowed to do the very thing that they signed up to do. That really bothers me. But on the other hand, I understand our library clients. They're the bread and butter. They're what has launched careers for 
thousands of taxi members over the years, literally thousands. Um, and the libraries are starting to get pretty pissed off because they're getting some members who just don't know the drill. Some of them have been really nasty, um, as Casey Hurwitz said. There are members who have been a dick to library owners. As hard to believe as that is, I've had at least three of those stories in the last couple of years from friends of mine, their library owners, that tell me just outrageous stuff that taxi members have said to them, have yelled at them and cursed at them. Crazy. Um, so what do I do, guys? Um, I want your suggestions. As a matter of fact, when this show is over tonight, would you kindly go in the comments section below the video on YouTube and post your ideas. If you have an idea 10 hours from now, go back in there and post it. We really want to solve this problem in a way that works for the libraries and works for our members. Makes everybody happy. Um, and so far, I feel like we've got some ideas that are kind of okay. But, you know, do I want to give you like an electronic certification saying, Greg watched the video, therefore he's allowed to submit. And do we have to, you know, like modify the code on our database that only people that have the electronic certification are allowed to submit? That's not the way I want to run my company. It's really not. So help me come up with a good idea. Uh, Rick Barasa says he likes the idea of Zoom for new members. I, I do too. I, I think that the people who watch the new member Zooms, and, and what you mean, Rick, I think is doing something like the new member Zooms, but this is the drill with production music libraries. Uh, most people won't watch it. That's the problem. I mean, I spend a ridiculous amount of time putting our newsletter out, uh, putting it together every month. And we get a few hundred people that read the newsletter. And we've got thousands upon thousands of members. I get it, you know, look, I paid a thousand dollars for a seminar I didn't watch. A thousand bucks, I'm an idiot. Um, Florence says, and you can sleep better at night treating other people in a way you'd want to be treated. The golden rule, absolutely. Um, a behind-the-scenes video showing how the libraries use our music. That's not going to teach people, uh, but thank you for the suggestion, Ken, but it's not really going to teach people. They need to know, um, you know, what typical library deals are, and they need to know that when somebody says, send me this kind of file format, they need to know. They, they need to know not, they need to know that that library doesn't exist to hold their hand. That library CEO or library owner or the library staff member, their job is not to hold a taxi member's hand or anybody for that matter. Their job is to get music used in media. So we just need members not to have that expectation and it's not just taxi members. It, it, trust me, it's a lot of people out there. Um, can't have an expectation that the world revolves, that you are the sun, the world revolves around you, um, and that uh, therefore they should spend a lot of time educating you. There, there are other ways to get the education. Taxi is probably the best way, and you've paid for a taxi. 
So why not get the education? Because we lay it on thick. We lay it on at every possible turn. But most people don't lap it up. And that's frustrating. Um, <laughs> put it on a CD for us old heads. CD? What's a CD? And I'm old. <laughs> Still seems like a, an attitude adjustment is needed, Greg says. Uh, if you understand and live the right submit, forget, and repeat mantra, then you'll be proactive to learn the business and you won't be a dick. Man, Carosa, I wish you lived in LA. You and I would be hanging out all the time. Um, I like the music business FAQs link on taxi homepage. Perhaps an FAQ for newbies might be helpful. Um, well, we do the new member Zoom. We already do it. Uh, and, and we open it up to Q&A at the end. So there you go. Um, by the way, um, I did take a, a suggestion from you guys. Thank you very much for this. We have just completed the, um, what are we calling it? Uh, you guys called it the, the screener glossary. Remember that when you guys asked for that like two months ago, three months ago, something like that? The screener glossary, when somebody says, you know, your track needs a developmental arc. I don't know what that is. So we were gonna create a second glossary. We already have an industry glossary on the website. Um, and we were going to create a second one that was just a screener glossary, but we thought it was kind of goofy to have two glossaries on the same website. So we just finished proofing and editing, I don't know, probably 30 or 40 new things that we're going to meld into the existing glossary. And we'll make an announcement in the newsletter um, to let you guys know. But it's a great glossary. If you don't know what these terms are, We've, and, and we didn't go steal them from Webster's Dictionary. We actually wrote them in language that taxi members can latch on to. I need a drink. And remember, Israel's finest. This is fruit water. By the way, Deb and I went into Tel Aviv last night and had a dinner meeting. Uh, with a very nice young man who has a startup company that uses artificial intelligence, not the artificial intelligence thing I to told you about a while ago, um, but so many people would love to get on playlists, right? On Spotify playlists, um, and of course others as well, but Spotify being the main one probably. Um, and it's very, very, very time consuming. There are a gazillion playlists out there and just trying to identify the ones that play music like you make is hard enough. And getting those people to pay attention to you, to even listen to your music, to even consider putting it on their playlist is next to impossible. Um, I'm gonna try it, we're gonna do a little experiment. Um, Taxi is not gonna make any money from this. I just think it, it sounds great and I think it's a problem that needed to be solved. And they use AI to identify the playlists that have music like yours and then it generates an email pitching your music to those playlists. So I will keep you guys um, 
in the loop and I'm we're gonna do a little experiment and then I'm gonna have him join me for an episode of Taxi TV probably I don't know a few weeks maybe a month um, but very very likable young man and I'm really proud of him he, he's working hard he's very smart and I believe that this company is gonna be successful he's doing everything right um, Sandra the Siren says she saw an actual minion in Tel Aviv. That's interesting. Um, oops, I guess scroll back up. Pat Ward just said something. A start here resource list. All right, I missed that up above. Um, can you do me a favor, Pat? And... Um, Drop that comment below the video once the video is up when the show is over, if you would be so kind. Um, yeah, nothing worse than going to a business dinner and things just don't click at the dinner, but things clicked with this guy. Really, really, really likable guy and smart as hell. Hire the ghost from Christmas future. There you go. Good idea, Ken. <laughs> Requiring members to verify before submitting that they have read a policy. Whoa, man. I hate that when all of a sudden it jumps. Uh, requiring members to verify before submitting that they have read a policy and procedures manual with all the definitions and basic information about metadata, contract terms, formats, etc. We did think of that. I like the idea and then I realize a lot of people are just going to lie. Why wouldn't they? You know, um, sadly, that's a big problem. People aren't going to want to do the work, but they're going to see that listing and it's going to be like a siren song calling them in to like submit your music, submit your music to this listing. And then they're not going to take the time to do that. Some will, but most won't. Have I lost all faith in humanity? Is that the problem? Am I so jaded that I can't see things for how they really are? Am I nuts, guys? Tell me if I'm nuts, or do you think that a fair number of people would cheat? Um, put it in the chat room right now. I want to know. This is off topic, says Arena Shiloh. Speaking of good info about Robin Frederick's book, Shortcuts to Hit Songwriting, and it's changed my life. I strongly recommend it. Also, her podcasts are very, very helpful. Yep, she's the best. Um, Deb and I literally risked $35,000 of our money to publish that book. Thank God. Well, actually, we took it from our daughter's college fund. <laughs> we paid it back. Um, Anyway, I love that book. I'm so proud to be the publisher of it. Songs from a Headband says, I'd articulate the language in every listing, maybe with five bullet points. Like, remember, every success takes time. Please avoid contacting the publisher. Write, submit, forget, repeat, and two more. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I, I don't want the... I hate ruling people's lives. I don't want to have to put that in the list. We don't even like putting the thing in the listing that says don't submit if you don't know the drill. 
So it, it would bother me to, you know, like here's a bullet point list and you need to remember this. Ugh, I don't know. Help me solve this problem. <laughs> YouTube channel, we still love you, ML. <laughs> Who's got the name YouTube channel? <laughs> Greg Rosa says, yes, they will cheat. <laughs> Another jaded cynic like myself. Sadly, it's true though, right? Wow. Only two minutes left. What is it that, oh, I didn't throw them the 35,000 bucks, throw it away in soybean futures. A taxi pill, there you go. We do teach the drill. We, te we teach the drill constantly. The problem is most of our minions don't attend class. Where has the time gone? I don't know. Next week's show, by the way, I don't know what I'm doing for next week's show, but it will, I will be doing it back in the regular studio uh, in L.A. Fact of Life session might help. Uh, worry about gay. Jesse, how are you? Good to see you in there, buddy. Uh, Gotta tell you, behind me, you see an Eve recording console. Behind me, what I see is a giant green sheet that uh, is, is a green screen, but it's made out of cotton fabric like bed sheets. And uh, it is hanging up. There was a water leak in the apartment above us, and it was so severe, and it got behind the kitchen cabinets in this apartment and caused mold. So we had to have the building maintenance people come in, take off the cabinets, and there was mold. Literally, it looked like a pizza with every topping on it, sandwiched between the back of the cabinets and the wall. And the walls here are concrete. Uh, they're not sheetrock. So they've had to put dryers in the apartment above us where the leak came from, these drying tubes. They had to break their floor tiles, stick these tubes in between, you know, the 15th floor and the 14th floor. Meanwhile, a guy came in and scraped the mold off. So behind the green screen is a concrete wall that's been scraped. All the plaster has been scraped off it. It's ugly. It looks like a bombed out building wall. And the only thing holding up that green screen right now is one of those 3M, um, what do they call those things? Commanders, command strips with a hook on it. And it's stuck to the concrete wall up there and the other side of it is taped to the top of the kitchen cabinets and the whole time i've been doing the show tonight about every two minutes i think oh my god i hope the green screen doesn't drop first of all the color and everything video wise will go absolutely ape notice by the way my hair looks very gray it's not this gray it's the wonderful lighting i'm standing at a, an island in the kitchen doing this right now uh, so I've been fearful every time I do one of these shows from over here. I'm fearful that the green screen's going to drop and you're going to see the uh, bombed out looking wall. 
Jim Leahy, sounds like my college dorm setup. Yep. Command hooks. Absolutely. Um, they're amazing. Uh, do you know that the, the adhesive on the command hooks is actually modeled after the little scales on the feet of geckos? Somebody watched a gecko climb up a wall and then walk upside down on a ceiling and they analyzed the feet of geckos and replicated that. And, and there's no like actual like gluey, sticky adhesive on the command hooks. It, it's stuff like that. <clears throat> Very technical show tonight. Anyway, um, trying to enhance the silver fox look. There you go. Um, yeah, I love those things. So. Anyway, folks, thank you for joining me. Um, thank you for putting up with that pleasant reverb in this otherwise mostly empty apartment. Um, please drop comments. I, I really, truly want some suggestions in the comment box uh, underneath the video once it's up, which will be shortly after the show is complete. And I will see you next Monday at 4 p.m. Los Angeles time, our regular time for another extremely exciting episode. If you have any good ideas for an episode next week, I would really appreciate it because I'm taking a very long, like a 17 hour plane flight on Friday. And um, so if you come up with a great idea, I can write the show while I'm in the air. All right, so that's it. Um, have a great week. See you guys in one week for another exciting episode of taxi tv live and don't forget if you're not a subscriber hit that red button and please give us a like we want youtube to like us more bye you guys take care <laughs>